Welcome to Everyday Driver, where cars are more than just transportation. They're freedom, a common ground, a way to grow, and can even make life better. We're here to help everyone find a car they love and discover all the ways cars connect us. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is The Car Debate. We just got back from shooting our sixth TV episode yes. for season eight. Yes, we did. In Valley of Fire National Park, in and around that area the, the in State Nevada. Park. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And we're excited that we got this done. So that is six full new episodes mm-hmm. for season eight coming to you January 2, 2021 at yep. 7.30 Eastern on the Motor Trend Cable Channel. That is every Saturday morning for 13 straight weeks. Yep. We got it in the can. And I'm I, very I feel excited. this huge sense of accomplishment, man. Agreed. Agreed. This we, is fantastic. We fought for six episodes. As you may have noticed earlier in this year of craziness that we've had in 2020 we only got five does for season seven this is season eight yeah we got six yeah. new ones and in those six new ones are in six very different locations the look is incredibly varied which i'm really excited about the visuals are awesome can you tell how much fun i had just shooting this it was re- yeah. it just looks really cool plus it we've really got buns. lots of cars we, end, we ended up it just worked out this way we ended up with the corvette c8 in it twice Mm-hmm. which is not originally intended, but just worked out that way. It's great. We've got all kinds of cool stuff in this. We've got the new BMW uh, front-wheel drive, biased, all-wheel drive, 228i. Yeah. That's yeah. in this season. We have our cheap sports cars in this season on the Million Dollar Highway. I'm very excited about that yeah. episode. Yeah. There's all kinds of stuff. I think you guys are really going to like it. Yeah, it's pretty interesting how things go in cycles that we find as cars come out and manufacturers want to sell cars and get them out there. It's in a weird way, you know, one season will be all Honda, and then the next one will be all Ford, and then the next one will be all Toyota, and then it's just kind of how it's worked out. So this episode yeah, actually yeah. has two C8 Corvettes, but they're very different headspace in terms of how we've compared them. So at this point, we have compared the C8 to the prior C7 to itself. Yes, yes. Now the convertible to the leading convertible choices in mm-hmm. that market segment. <laughs> Yeah, And now to the mid-engine enthusiast comparison, mm-hmm. which I think are – it's strange that they all happen at once, but yes. I think are very valid and very different headspaces that we brought to the table to do this. So it's a lot of C8 Corvette, but mm-hmm. hey, the car's out and it's starting to get out more. So I think it's timely. Let's just – Get it out there. Yeah, for sure. And we've also uh, we've also dropped a uh, C8 convertible test drive on our test drive channel. Thanks to many of you that have watched that. Yes. Thanks to all of you that have watched our C8 versus C7 TV episodes from Season 7 is now also on YouTube on our original channel. Both of those are playing well. Thank you guys for that. Speaking of things going on, mm. it's Christmas time. You may be thinking about what do I get the enthusiast in my life. We get these emails every year. We do have five feature films. Pick your mark, your your. Uh, car mark you like BMWs 911s the Corvettes those are three of them plus we have the good road trip pieces in mid of mountains and pilgrimage but but I personally am most excited about what drops as of Monday and it's not even my novel which I'm excited about no yes. Monday you can get your Ministry of Finance shirt on Blipshift <laughs> the Minister of Finance shirt will be on Blipshift go to our store tab from right there on everydaydriver.com under the store tab you can click on Blipshift you can find that shirt among many other very fun ones including our cheap sports car shirts that is over on Blipshift we also have our Everyday Driver jackets available on our Amazon store you can also get my novel there so thank you to all of you that have expressed interest in that and for all the really cool responses to to that last podcast where we went completely off book to talk about the book. 
That was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed that. Just picking your brain. Yeah. So find that as our last podcast. But moving forward, there's so much going on. You think December would kind of ramp down and that is just not the case. But I am really excited for the new year. I'm excited for everything that's coming and I'm excited to execute ideas that we haven't been able to yet. Mm -hmm. You're right. You're right. It made me think that uh, we were coming back from Nevada and driving in the car. I was thinking about actually doing an episode in each of the state parks and going around the nation and formulating an episode for that state park and shooting in that state park. I know that's a big ask. I'm a little terrified. The the people listening can't see me terrified. I I want to shoot in all the state parks. And so there's many of them, which means there's (laughs) lots of future development. But yes, you know, just utilize the, the problem beauty is, and the location of that state park. And they're pretty, but there's a lot of slow driving. In yeah, those state I know, parks. but you know, let's clear people out and let's, yeah. you know, <laughs> sure, it's only buddy. hot rod it through the, the yeah. Park. Let, let's let's uh, close off Yosemite Valley and hoon through the valley. That that yes. has to be cheap. Yes, that has to be a cheap. See, these adventure. are the yeah. ideas that we discuss the, on the road trips when the we're ones, coming back. We're going. You know. Yeah, the money, no object ideas that we have for this show are fantastically <laughs> okay. awesome. But you know, we keep battling along anyway. It's great stuff. When you want to spend some time washing your car, but you're short on time, Griot's has two new ideas for fast and easy washing in your garage or driveway without rinsing. Try the rinseless wash and wax kit or the waterless PFM spray on car wash kit from Griot's Garage. They're both great if the weather's gotten colder outside or you're an apartment dweller and you live in an area where hose and bucket washing is restricted or inconvenient. You'll get a perfect wash indoors or outdoors in a quarter of the time it takes to wash a car normally. These kits are the no-hassle way to keep your car looking really sharp. Griot's Garage products are 100% guaranteed, and all their liquid products are made in the USA. When you're ordering at griotsgarage.com, remember to use the code every day for 15% off liquids and 10% off everything else. That's Griot's, G-R-I-O-T-S. Enjoy the finest quality car care products you can buy at griotsgarage.com. We've got a couple of really cool car debates that will really get you thinking. First from Andrew S. is in Kaysville, Utah. He's mm-hmm. very near us, and he writes with reliability-related PTSD. This is interesting. I like unpacking this, yeah. We've also got Jackson H. in Virginia who writes to us with the title No More M Endorsement. Mm-hmm. And at first, Jackson, I thought you were talking about BMW cars. Sure. I thought you were talking yeah, yeah. about the, the, the M cars. Yeah, yeah. And I went, and, and then I dug in, but he's talking about motorcycles. No more M endorsement on his driver's license yeah. to ride motorcycles, and there's a longer story there. So keep at it. Keep listening after the break. But we've got to dive into Andrew's email here, who thinks mm-hmm. he's got reliability-related PTSD. <laughs> okay. He and his wife are getting pretty close to replacing both of their aging cars, a Prius with 190,000 miles wow, and a Honda CRV with 280,000. Okay. Okay. All right. They Those have clearly been workhorses. Yeah. A little more fun. There's a lot of great fun cars out there, he says, but he's insistent that he gets a car that has bulletproof reliability. <laughs> he obsessively <laughs> checks any potential vehicle's consumer reports listing to make sure it has the highest possible reliability. And if it's even one notch below the very best, it's instantly dismissed. Huh. Okay. All right. All right. This rules out a lot of potentially great vehicles. He acknowledges. Andrew mm-hmm, says that. Mm-hmm, the Civic yeah. SI and Golf GTI, for example. Andrew's starting to think that this is due to his childhood experiences. I think that it is, yes. Andrew grew up in a household with eclectic automotive tastes. His dad owned not one but two derelict Porsche 914s that collectively ran for about six months of his entire life. <laughs> okay. All right. I see, I see the picture. Wow. Yes. 
His family hauler was a 1985 Jeep Cherokee that broke down at least semi-annually. And in high school and college, he was blessed to drive a 1987 Fiero, a rare four-cylinder mm. T-top. Okay. It had to have the clutch rebuilt twice and a complete engine overhaul once while he was in college, Oof. which meant he rode his bike around for an entire semester during winter. Wow, that's awful. He, they also had as a as a family a Chevy Astro van and an Oldsmobile Alero at various points. Alero. Uh, it was early two thousands GM, and the reliability was let's just say they weren't reliable. Let's well, just I think kind. they were actually. Yeah. Th- that era, those GM cars just ran. Well, okay. My parents got a Buick LeSabre, and it just inexplicably okay. ran with a V six engine designed in the fifties. <laughs> Well, it just you know, started It's been ran. refined enough. It's been around for 50 years. I wanted he, my parents to get the four-door sports car, which was the Nissan not. Maxima. No, of course not. Yeah. And they settled on a Buick LeSabre. Mm-hmm. It's like the, the whole Mazda CX-5 discussion I had with my parents, and they promptly didn't buy a Mazda. Yeah, exactly. To my eternal chagrin. I know. I hear you. The thing just ran. Yes. But he's asking. I mean, this is interesting, Andrew, because you're not actually asking specifically about cars. This is almost a topic Tuesday, even though a uh, happy Friday. This is a discussion about are you crazy is what you're asking us. You actually ask us, am I crazy? Is it wrong to insist on the most reliable cars imaginable? What am I missing out on? (laughs) What's going on? How do I get fixed is kind of what he's asking. Andrew, I want to dive in right here and talk about those 914s. Oh, great, great, great. And also the Jeep Cherokee and the Fiero. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Okay? Your dad, here's the thing. He had project cars. Yes. That's different. It doesn't sound like the 914s were the cars that they relied upon they, to they get weren't. somewhere. They weren't, but, but the, the Jeep, Jeep Cherokee was. was. And here's the thing I think is happening. The Jeep Cherokee never had preventative maintenance because if dad had time to work on a car, he was working on one of the 914s. You, Andrew, saw your dad out in the garage working on the 914s, which clearly he loved, but never ran and never ran right. And what you're getting, the, the formulation for you the formative stuff happening to you is that cars must run because these never do. But those are project cars. And true, honestly, true. in my experience, and I have done this at arm's length because I refuse to get into project car lands, project cars don't really run. Project cars' yeah. purpose yeah. is to be tinkered on. And when they run, it is a bonus Okay. When they run, you instantly start messing with something else. And then you break something and now it explodes. And you found the thing you need to fix it. Exactly. You just keep finding the weak link and that makes a new thing the weak link. So you have, I I, I do think you've got PTSD and Mm. I do think you've gone too far. And I think it's those 914s, which honestly, fundamentally, your dad probably wasted years and money on those cars. But you know what? He probably also enjoyed himself. Yeah, right. Right. You're not buying a project car. True. You're buying a car to drive daily, which means you don't buy something that isn't currently running, and you also buy something that is fairly recent. And I'm also suggesting this to you. If you want to do this research, you're a consumer report guy, you can do this. Go back and look at the industry-wide reliability for the last 20 years. There are certain brands, (coughs) Land Rover, that have stayed at the bottom of the list. But what's interesting is, all brands' overall reliability has improved in the last 20 years. Yes, yes. So while many of the brands that are less reliable are, are still the least reliable comparatively, they're more reliable than they used to be. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Things like Land Rover that we make jokes about that stay at the bottom of the reliability list are more reliable than they used to be. 
Because everything was on an escalator going up. Everything's going up. up. Right, right. So I, I think – I have some suggestions for you for cars, but I think separate yourself from your dad's projects by a car that is currently running and known to be pretty good and then accept the fact that, you know what, stuff breaks on cars. Some mm-hmm. more than – you've had a Prius and a, and a CRV. It sounds like nothing ever broke. Mm-hmm. You probably mm-hmm. put oil in it and you called it a day. Don't judge all cars – by the one percentile that is that way. Yeah, true, Let's get cars true. that are in the 80 percentile and above. And understand that stuff's going to break and wear out because these are machines and, and stuff gets consumed. Is there a J.D. Power category for 80% or better? <laughs> 80% quality. In the 75% or better, ignore. Ignore, just run away. <laughs> 80% or better? Yeah, maybe. And then filter things out. I like that you're they're hitting on this point because, Andrew, cars are mechanical devices. Most car companies and their parts suppliers have gotten very, very good over the years to build machines that want to run. Mm -hmm. And that is by virtue of electronics. Mm -hmm. Everybody says they don't build them like they used to. In a lot of cases, that's good. (laughs) In some ways, you're absolutely right. Good thing they don't because stuff didn't run. It was Mm -hmm. terribly sorted. I love carbureted engines. I experienced vapor lock a lot on hot days mm-hmm. with my Jeep Cherokee. Mm-hmm. That sucked. Yeah. Fuel yeah, injection yeah. is awesome. <laughs> Especially electronic fuel injection. Sure, sure, Mechanical sure. Mechanical yeah, fuel yeah. injection is very cool too. But electronic and controlling that. And as, as it turns out, electronic controlling everything is not a bad thing. Things just tend to run. Now, you have to think about the warranty because – I like that you have high mileage cars that do run and yeah, you're experiencing yeah, yeah. cars out of warranty and continuing to drive them and put money into them. Yeah. This is a foregone conclusion. I like that. But something that I want you to think about is a warranty that would help your your comfort level. It's like sure. this yeah, security yeah, yeah. blanket yeah, yeah, yeah. laid over the top of your purchase that you go, mm-hmm. ah, mm-hmm. I feel better because I've got this huge warranty. But I do want to say the more stressed that an engine is and the more stressed that a car's parts are, like brakes and suspension and any part that moves, means it has more chance of braking, Mm -hmm. especially cars that are high performance and driven hard. This is why the 24 Hours of Le Mans is such an intriguing race. Mm -hmm. Now, I digress, though. But something might happen to your car, just like the myth of knives that never need sharpening. (laughs) There is no car that just runs. Cut through runs. a shoe. Cut through a computer. Cut through a desk. Cut through a, a tomato. Cut yeah, a fly exactly. in half. <laughs> yeah. And make the perfect thin tomato slice for your sandwich. Yeah. Not really. There's no car that just runs without failing at some point. Mm-hmm. You have mm-hmm. to do stuff to it, and you are. So I'm yeah. glad you're experiencing yeah, yeah, yeah. that. Preventative maintenance is your friend, but it's no guarantee. So there are three things that I want you to think about when choosing your next car. You haven't sent us a budget, mm-hmm. so we could be in the 15000 We could be 30000 He's asking about this issue that he has more than he's even asking about a budget and a car. True. Yeah, it's fascinating. So saying all that, the, the three things I want you to think about are the cars with the fewest moving parts, hmm. the cars with the highest warranties, and the cars that have the least stress on them, least stressed engine, meaning okay. yeah, yeah, they're yeah. not turbocharged within an inch of their life. And they, you yeah, know, they're yeah, yeah. not this huge, high-power car. They're mm-hmm. under-stressed engines. Under-stressed engines just run mm-hmm. like your Prius, True. like your CRV. They're You're absolutely under-stressed. Right. You're absolutely right. Yep. And therefore, you put all three of those together, 
I think that means electric for you. I thought about that too. That's interesting. I'm glad you went there because I thought about that too. Now, back to my comment about the warranties. I think Hyundai's with their highest warranty could be a wonderful thing. Mm -hmm. When you get Mm -hmm. that 10-year warranty and just, okay, I've got that overlaid over the top of my new purchase and it's a new car. Mm -hmm. I've got the warranty. There is a lot to be said for that. But I'm wondering about a Chevy Bolt. I'm wondering about a used Model S or Model 3. Sure. Model S sure, would be sure. more expensive. But well, and I actually think the Bolt is probably going to be more reliable mm-hmm. and cheaper to maintain than the Tesla products. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. And you can get them used. They're seventeen to $20,000. Very cheap, yes. There's very few moving parts. Mm-hmm. Don't ever have to change the oil again. Now, it is a different lifestyle headspace. Yeah. You've got to think about getting your own charger installed in your garage or at your house somewhere. But it's a great Prius replacement. It, it really is. Yeah, yeah it yeah, really is. It. It's uh-huh. kind of the next logical step after your Prius. Because, mm-hmm. again, you want you know that high reliability, but few moving parts kind of is your guarantee. It's yeah, not a guarantee, yeah, yeah. but it is moving towards that. But the second choice, like I said, would be that Hyundai warranty as your safety net. So mm-hmm. anything from Hyundai, Kia... Those cars just run. Yeah. They do. I like the Toyotas and the Hondas and all those Japanese sure. cars. Sure, yeah, yeah. They're great. But that doesn't mean other cars aren't. And I will give you Porsche as an example. They're always in the top three, at yes. least, yes. of reliability. My Cayman has been tracked multiple times, been on long drives. Mm-hmm. I've driven it really hard. I've cruised in it. Sometimes it sits during cold weather. So it, it's, it's been used and had a lot of you know, stuff thrown at it. Mm-hmm. I keep it nice. Thing just runs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I put money into it. I've done the preventer maintenance. But it just runs. It's great. Now it's fairly new in comparison. Yes, yes. But 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 you bought a Porsche, and there are many people, and I wouldn't be surprised if Andrew's among them, that would just go, "Oh, that's going to be a money pit to maintain." Now, yeah, tires are expensive. Tires have been money pits. Consumables are difficult, but as far as stuff breaking, it doesn't. Exactly. I haven't counted those against the the cost of owning the car, and so far, it's. Pretty low. I'm, you know, continuing to look at my service yeah, manual. Yeah. What's upcoming? And I've had to do the consumables, but otherwise, yeah. Andrew, I want to give you a couple strategies since you are a consumer reports guy, and so am I. I look at that too. Okay. okay. Here's a couple things to think about. What are the cars you like? What are the cars you like that do pretty well on reliability? They're not, that he has they're not considered the tops, they're that not he's the thrown tops, out. but you kind of like them, and you kind of think, I'd like to have one of those, and it's just under the top tier. Now go into Consumer Reports and see what are the years that are worst, because okay. it's, invariably okay. it's the case. You see a, a five-year swath of a car, and like, why is 2013 bad? It, yeah, it just right. had more. So then you avoid that year. Then the second thing I want to tell you is go into forums and figure out for whatever cars you're interested in, Look up known problems. That's good. Because then you People can, are vocal about that kind of stuff. They're crazy vocal, and you can yeah. find patterns. And most of the time, not all the time, but most of the time, manufacturers and or the aftermarket have also solved the known problems. Mm-hmm. So now you have a battle plan. You can buy a car with problem X, mm-hmm. and you can know I'm going to buy it, and that problem has either already been solved or I'm going to go ahead and preemptively solve it. Okay. Because the thing I think you want to avoid, Andrew, is the unknowns. Now, cars have unknowns, but you want to avoid the, the big gotchas. So look up the stuff you're interested in on the known problem site of whatever the forum is, and then you can look at a car you like that, okay, look, it, let it not be as reliable as your CRV and your Prius. Let it be a notch under that. Just go in knowing that. But put some money in it initially. Sure. Solve the things that are known to fail. Sure. And then drive happy. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I then mean, for that reason, I see a Civic Si and a Golf GTI being just fine. Sure, sure, sure. But I'm going to say this to you. Look, get a Miata. Yeah. If you want a fun car, can, can your life handle a Miata? Could that take the place of your Prius? Get your wife some other uh, SUV, CUV. Find one that's got good consumer report uh, reliability. Solve the quote-unquote known issues of that car. There's a lot of five-seat SUVs. Now, there's, there's mount. It's the one thing we have the most of. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Find one you like. Yes, yes. Solve the known issues. Happy wife, happy life there. Get yourself a Miata. They're cheap. And the thing is, they're so cheap to maintain. Yeah, that's true. That's the other thing. If something breaks and or something just needs maintenance, mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. the other factor in yes. there to deal with. Mm-hmm. And you know, having that as a low cost Paul's is wonderful. totally right that, that simple is better. The Miata and the Lotus, I'll tell you two things. I, I know I just equated the two, but the Miata and the Lotus, both of them are, have not – I have not had my Lotus be expensive. People I know with Miatas are not expensive. The, mm-hmm. the commonality on both of those is they're simple and they're light. Mm-hmm. Light things don't consume stuff. A big old M4 yeah. tires and brakes anytime you push it hard on the track. Just wel- welcome. Because <laughs> it's, it's heavy and powerful. Yeah, yeah. My wife's Cayenne has been surprisingly reliable for us. It has almost 140,000 miles I'm on it now. Glad to hear that. But here's a key thing. We have a base Cayenne. Yeah, yeah. The ones that cost a lot of money are the turbos and the turbo S's, which, by the way, those are less reliable for the same reason that Land Rovers are less reliable, for the same reason my Phaeton was less reliable. Okay. When you're putting cutting edge, we just invented this tech on a car, mm-hmm. and then you put lots of it on a car, mm-hmm. S-Classes, 7 Series, all of these cutting edge cars, guess what? That cutting edge tech, look at my Phaeton, it breaks. Sure. People don't know how to replace it. It's hard to get parts. If you go down the food chain, you don't have the cutting edge latest whatever, and they tend to be easier to own and maintain. Sure. And those cars that Todd is suggesting, there's people who can afford and are willing to pay for that. Yes, of course. And they're the ones that buy that tech new, and they get to enjoy it when it's still new and reliable Mm -hmm. and fine. But then it trickles down to the rest of us when we're starting to be able to afford it and go, well, that sounds cool. And then we buy Maserati QP5s. Well, just think about the math of it. If there's 50 cutting-edge tech extras on your car, Mm -hmm. or you buy a car that has five, just the math of how many things can go wrong is more in your favor if you buy the car that's simple. Sure, sure. Fair enough. All right. Well, Andrew, let us know what you think. I still am leaning towards the high warranty for you, so do not discount Hyundais and Kias. There's a lot to like, and the way they drive, that Sonata is brilliant, actually. Season seven, we drove four workhorse cars, and they're moderately, as far as the price, they're not the cheapest thing ever, but they're they're moderately priced they're throughout. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they're none more than thirty six, I think thirty six thousand. Yeah. None more than that. It was the thirties. It Mazda was the, the Camrys and the Mazda six, right. and the, this was the group. The, the Accord was in there. I mean, these are. These are cars designed to go a couple hundred thousand miles, and they plan for it when they build them. This is not a we built you a low-volume sports car or a high-power – none of that. Right. It needs to be a commute device that also is nice to be in. So whenever Todd and I talk about a TV episode, we discuss our headspace and what we're shooting for with the the two cars. Is it something price-related? Is it something performance-related? What are we talking about that will steer the episode towards – you know, here's what we're trying to get out of it. In that case, yeah, there's an assumed level of reliability 
there's an assumed level of affordability, but what fun can be had out yes. of any of these cars yes. and what matters more to you or I? Which one do you feel like you spent your money the right. best? Yeah, we, right. that was a, and honestly, all four of those cars, it was the Accord, it was the Camry, it was the Mazda 6, and it was the Sonata. And all four of those cars had great things about them and they were very similar in price. It's a fun episode. Yeah. Check out that Sonata, little tiny turbo engine, and it's fast. Yeah, and pretty fun too. Inexplicably fast and it's cool. Take a guess at the one thing we can't get enough of, car stuff. That's right. That's why we love Haggerty Drivers Club. Starting at $45 a year, you'll get six issues of the award-winning Haggerty Drivers Club magazine, which is chock full of interesting reads and beautiful photos. You'll also get access to members-only live stream on topics that range from car values to automotive history, DIY tutorials, and a whole lot more. Plus, membership comes with tons of automotive discounts from big brands, including Deal of the Week, which is always an exclusive deal that only lasts a couple of days. If you love cars, and we know you do, this club is for you. Learn more at Haggerty.com slash Everyday Driver. We're back with a car debate that I don't want our um, Cycle Report reporter, Nate, in Chicago. I, 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 don't, I don't want him to be blindsided by it. So I'm just letting him and all of the motorcycle lovers out there know, brace yourself. This is a tearjerker of a story. Because yes. Jackson has written to us. He has had... A promotion. He's very excited. It was a, it was a financial. I have to take this kind of promotion. He can't believe his good fortune to get the promotion to a vital role in his work. He doesn't say what it is, but a vital role in his work. A serious, like I have to take this pay bump. He's very excited. Except <laughs> this role. I've never heard of this before, but this role is vital enough that in order to have this position. He is not allowed to ride motorcycles anymore. That's almost to the level of professional athlete mm -hmm. or something in that realm. Where you have a clause. Celebrity yeah. Yeah, or yeah, something. Yeah. You can't ride motorcycles during the filming of this movie yep. because we need you safe and healthy and don't go do stupid things until we're done filming. <laughs> After that, fine. Stupid later when you're off our insurance. Yes. yes. But that's amazing, Jackson. Congratulations. Jackson has been an avid motor motorcycle guy since he was a kid. His first bike was an 06 Gixxer Suzuki GSXR 600R, which he promptly dropped the first time out of the garage. As <laughs> of you course do. you did. Of course you did. We yes. Have. Uh -huh. He's in Virginia, and in his off time, he likes to rip up and down the mountains, which he personally thinks is better than the California mountains. He's been up there, and he thinks police basically live there making sure nobody's having any fun. Whereas they don't in Virginia. Yeah, I well, can see it. You know, okay. He right. says, apparently where he rides has almost zero policing. What's funny, though, is I have actually heard that Virginia is really strict on speeding tickets, I though. thought so, too. Apparently, you just know where to go, Jackson, so nobody Found finds them. you. Because I have, I have heard many, many times that you don't want to speed in Virginia. So, okay. All right. Now, today, Jackson has a 2017 CBR600RR okay. right. that he has to get rid of. Side note, does anybody want a 2017 CBR600RR? Because Jackson is Hi. selling his. Paging motorcycle people. Yes, there we go. Good. <laughs> he had to take the position... Because it would mean $35,000 extra in income per year, and he simply couldn't turn that down. I can see that. For sure. That's a big bump. At the time of this writing, at the time of this email, his company is giving him six months to get rid of his M-Class endorsement on his driver's license, or he will have to step down from his new job. Get rid of your bikes. Get rid of the motorcycle designation on your license. Don't ride bikes anymore. We need you that badly. 
Jackson, you're a valuable guy. That's the situation here. Wow. It's fascinating. Okay. He's been a motorcycle guy mainly because he's always felt like he can get a better feel and excellent performance to match or rival even the most expensive car. Mm-hmm. But now he has to look to cars to satisfy his urge for cutting up the mountains. I, I do see it. I get the problem. Yeah. He doesn't, he admits he doesn't really know a ton about the car scene, but he does have a very nice budget of $60,000. He can do a Paul limiter of 66000 but then that means no performance tires. So we'll back that off to sixty. Five and a half. <laughs> Sixty-five. Thousand okay. bucks. Well, you're going to need $2,000 spending yeah. on this car I'm going to suggest for you. Oh, okay, good. But it's not like you're tracking them, so we'll see about that. Now, he's got a 2016 Scat Pack Charger as a daily that he and his wife share because he simply rode his bike to work even during the winter. Okay. Yes, he loves motorcycles that much. Nate does too. And he's got two kids, so that also serves that purpose. Mm, interesting. Okay. His only other car experience is a 1999 Mitsubishi Eclipse he had as as his first car and a 350Z. Okay. All right. He says, yes, Todd, I will be canyon carving, but I do need some power. No Miatas and no 86 chassis. Suddenly I've had my hands tied, but I could go other places. I see it. I see it, Jackson. This is good. I really like this. This is challenging. Jackson, I've got a car that I want to recommend for you, and I think you can afford with your budget and should get. But I want to first suggest something to just get you thinking differently. Okay. I'm not saying go do this, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but I'm just getting you thinking differently. And that is a scenario that we have through a friend of the show named Greg here. We've borrowed his M2 competition for one of our episodes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Greg actually got us into Spec Racer Fords. Mm -hmm. He first suggested it at Thunder Hill, and it was a private track day, and he invited us out. And we got to experience that first SRF on track mm-hmm. with about 10 other cars yep. going, well, this is nice. <laughs> I mean, I can just kind of do what I want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then SCCA invited us to participate in their license school that we shot in February of 2020 that became an episode of season seven it played for well. us to go after licensing yes. for racing. It was very cool. It was awesome. We were driving Spec Racer 4 Generation 3, provided by Excel Race Tech, mm-hmm. and they provided the cars, and SCCA gave us the seats in the class, yeah. and Todd and I diced it up. We were genuinely learning and having fun. Yes, and genuinely challenging ourselves and yes. each other. And they are not fundamentally, like, look at the stats, not fast cars. <laughs> True. But, True. But because you are driving on slicks, driving in a dedicated car, it felt fast all the time. Yes. Keep yes. going. Well, Greg, after getting super hooked. <laughs> yes, he did. He decided that consumables on track for that M2 competition, even though it's brilliant and lots of fun, it's expensive for that car. And he might as well get himself his own Spec Racer 4 Generation 3. So he found a used one and bought it. And he doesn't participate in the Spec Racer Ford race series. He just drives it for fun. He keeps it at the track. <laughs> Drives it for fun, and at a low cost, he is a gentleman racer. He shows up at the track. There is his race Mm -hmm. car ready to go and goes out on what is called tenant days. Mm -hmm. The track offers all the the businesses at the track. People that store their cars there and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's just for customers of all those businesses. And these businesses are race car builders and totally, yes. you know transport companies and all the companies that hold space yeah, yeah. in the garages at the shop, at the racetrack. Yeah. And so the track just says, all right, Friday is your track day. It's a lower cost and it's just for your customers. Mm-hmm. That means low amount of people and it's just for you and it's all day long as much as you can drive with open pit lane. I, Have at it. I hate to say this, but um, Greg bought one of those cars and 
brought it here to Utah to our local track and uh-huh. invited us because he's waiting for us to buy one of those cars as well. Uh-huh. That, that, yeah. it, it's not real subtle. It's it's that's he's just waiting for us to buy a spec racer Ford, so he has other spec racer Fords to tangle with. That's really where that's going. But yeah, it, it, money's nice. Yeah. Well. The Generation 3 Spec Racer Fords are about $30,000 for a used one. Yeah, yeah. They go down in price from there if you go Gen 2 or Gen 1. Mm-hmm. So half your budget, you could get into tracking your car mm. and maybe something in your – I don't know how close you are to VIR. Mm. But is there something where you could store your car there and you essentially say, all right, I'm coming out. And it costs you less to own the car and store it at the track for you to show up and just I see where you're going. laugh. And now this is your outlet. Mm-hmm. And it's see. quite yeah, yeah. legal because this is what you're doing. You're on track. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, I say that just to get you get your appetite whetted. You're, you're totally making him think differently. I see it. Yeah, yeah. On an entirely different plane, Chance and I were at the 2017 Pebble Beach Concourse. Got to talking with a guy who was tired of one of his race cars. Because <laughs> at Pebble Beach, you just stand there and complain about the auction you lost or the race cars you own. That's really that's the world. We, that's not our world, but that's the world you live in when you're there, for sure, yeah. So he got to talking about his Radical. He's got a Radical, okay. yeah, yeah. which are pretty expensive. And very cool, yes. And wicked fast. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. And he just was talking to us about how he's felt like he reached the end of his Radical. Like he just <laughs> needed something more. Okay. And we thought, okay. And so he told us about this company in the Czech Republic, they're a Czechia company called Praga. PragaGlobal.com is their cars. They they make Praga R1 racing cars. Okay. Full carbon fiber. As a matter of fact, Romain Grosjean is their brand ambassador for these cars. Hmm. They have an Instagram. They've got social media. PragaGlobal.com. That's P-R-A-G-A. Praga okay. cars. Yeah. They are fantastic. <laughs> they make go-karts, <laughs> but they make these ultimate race cars for private individuals. Now. That's at the very high end. I think they're a quarter million or more, oh, something sure. like that. sure. Let's get two. But yeah. it's, it's very aspirational, and you can do it under $30,000 with a spec racer Ford. Mm-hmm. That's really intriguing, and, okay. and I've been I following Praga now, just yeah, yeah. drooling over these cars. It's very funny. Just put that aside just to get you thinking differently. I will come back to the car that I think you should get because okay. they are $60,000, and okay, that is good. the 2011 or 2012 Porsche 987 Cayman R. Oh, okay. Yeah. Very yeah, yeah, focused. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Cayman is not offered in the R flavor anymore. Mm-hmm. They've moved on from that, but the R was the highest the 987 went, but it's so light and so raw and refined to a point. Yeah. It's one of Porsche's finest mid-engine cars. What about, since he's a motorcycle guy, buy the Spider version? You could, I absolutely So then could. you don't have a real good top. You have that, that yeah. little bikini band-aid top thing. It's a washcloth. You can still drive in the winter and be yeah. like, I'm hardcore and out in the elements. The Spider is very cool. It really is. Yeah. Either one of those. Okay. Those are a moment in time car. They didn't build very many of them. They're still about fifty-five to $65,000. They They're very good at that, though. People track the daylights out of them, beat on mm-hmm. them. You can upgrade them. But from the factory, they were brilliant to yeah. drive. Yeah. We love the Cayman R and the associated Spider. Yeah, we drove the Spiders. Well, they were both Unreal great. Yeah, cars. for sure. So that is my suggestion that's for good. you. That's good. I like that. Happy shopping. I like that. I've got a few for you, but this that's excellent, Paul. Well done. Jackson, here's... Here's a few things I want you to ponder. You're a bike guy, so I realize you know this, but that makes me think about, okay, so what you're used to is you're used to power to weight mm-hmm. and you're used to high revving motors. True. So I was thinking about things that might connect. 
chainsaws. Either the motor connects. To, no, don't do that. Oh. Either the motor connects to that kind of world, or you're out in the elements, like that that Porsche Spider that Paul just mentioned. So I'm trying to think about that. the The heaviest thing I went with, but I think the engine and the amount of revving is is right, is the Mustang GT350. Oh, that car buzzes. That car has yeah. <laughs> an engine that's fun to interact with. It, it what it revs to eighty two fifty, I believe it yeah. is. It, so it revs out farther than most muscle cars on the planet. Yeah, that motor has a lot of personality. It revs really easily. It, it's it's not a bike. It doesn't have a bike feel. It's it's a much heavier car than yeah. a little tiny lightweight thing. And I'm headed there in a minute. But the GT three fifty is a special car with a special engine, and I think you might find that really fun and involving. So Mustang GT350 is a great one for you. In the bike world, how about a Honda S2000 with money left over? Get a really nice AP2 Honda S2000. For half his budget, he'll get one of the best Honda S2000s. Incredibly high revving motor with a great six-speed manual, a very mechanical, metallic feel to that car. Mm. I think it is one of, and I'm going to go to others, but I think it is one of the cars that's been sold in the last 20, 25 years that is the closest to the things that people like about motorcycles. But it is a car. Yeah, true. So Honda S2000. The other one on that list, I have to mention it, get yourself a Lotus Elise or an Exige. I think you might be the guy for an Exige. Just go a little more hardcore. But an Elise or an Exige, also a high-revving motor, also like the S2000, that very raw mechanical feel. Right, right. So I really think those one of those three cars are for you, but I do have a wild card. Oh, goody. Technically street legal. <laughs> how, and you can still wear your motorcycle helmet and all your leathers. Get yourself an Ariel Atom. Are those 60, though? Aren't they like 70 to 100? You can find them for 60. Somebody, somebody's selling one for your budget. Somebody has got one. I can one see you rocking an Atom. Drive the, you, you pull up to work. <laughs> I don't have a motorcycle anymore. That way he can keep I'm all his off, leathers. Exactly. You wear your helmet. leathers, you wear your helmet, you pull up to the office, and you're not on a bike. It's technically got four wheels. It's a wild card because I don't know that it really solves it, but I but I have to go Ariel Adam. But one of those hopefully can It's got can help 500 horsepower and a tube frame. <laughs> and a cage, but you know what? I And I'm still wearing a helmet, but I'm not on a bike. When your car needs new brakes, it's a great time to upgrade for better stopping power. We're excited to partner with PowerStop Brakes for an easy way to get more performance from something you already need. PowerStop is on a mission to deliver better brakes on every vehicle in every situation from daily commuting to towing to track days. These are all bolt-on, direct-fit parts for better braking, no modifications required. Every PowerStop Complete Brake Kit comes with all the parts you need to upgrade your brakes, including pads, rotors, and even those little clips and fasteners. Plus, all their pads are made from a carbon fiber ceramic compound, which they've tested extensively to deliver low dust and noise-free performance. So the next time you need brakes or you simply want to upgrade, visit PowerStop.com and enter your vehicle's information into their easy-to-use car finder. We even found great kits for our SUVs and our cheap sports cars. Give your everyday driver the easy and affordable performance upgrade it deserves at PowerStop.com. On Instagram, Jared Rose one asks me a question about the 1959 DeSoto Adventure. Well, actually, he's giving me information. Mm. Jared says it's got carpeting with gold glitter infused in it. Oh, my gosh. Okay. The question is, is this a peak moment of American car optimism? Mm -hmm. Will we ever see the likes of this interior treatment again? I think it's fantastic. I think it's fantastic. Yeah, I agree. That's unbelievable. I love that. It it also had gold painted wheel inserts, essentially hubcaps, the mm-hmm. in, inner part of the hubcap, and the air filter element. 
were gold too. And you have to remember, Jared, that this was an era just post-war when metals were scarce. Mm. And it was also the jet age, the rocket age sure, as well. Yeah, yeah, and so yeah, yeah. everybody was obsessed with all those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And so I do see your comment about optimism in American car design. I think peaking with the 1959 Cadillac with yeah, the tail yeah, fins. Yeah. I mean, that was pretty much the height. But I love how that optimism translated into car designs. And you can see how in the 70s it kind of got sad. <laughs> You know what I mean? (laughs) Executed in some designs. Kind of. (laughs) But I think we have such a long runway ahead of us with modern manufacturing and building techniques and powertrains that I think we're going to start seeing all of that again in Mm. in a different form. Okay. Because all those materials were very honest, even using gold flex in in the carpeting that's a very honest use of materials it's not spray paint it's you know <laughs> it doesn't look like gold it's actually gold yeah yeah that's that's very honest use but i'm starting to think that materials will be continued to to be explored by car companies and what will that manifest itself in and in modern times that will that will rear itself again i think okay i cannot predict what that'll look like but i think we got to get past all the suvs and then once everybody has an SUV and is sitting at the same eye level, <laughs> we got to do something different. What now? It's very funny. Yeah. And then with materials continuing to to proliferate and certainly manufacturing techniques, mm. I think we're we're still in for some fun. Okay, cool, cool. Roberto Albertis asked on uh, Instagram. He said, "What? It, when does breaking the two badge rule make some sense?" I think what you're asking here is we talk about don't have a garage of all one brand. <laughs> Except for Porsche. <laughs> that's, that's the exception that Paul makes. That I, I think when you can have cars of the same brand in your garage and, you, and it feels like you branched out enough is when they are opposite spectrums of the same brand. Mm-hmm. Yet I'm going to go to the best one I can think of right off the top of my head, and that is the Mazda CX-5 is an excellent, affordable five-seat SUV. Yeah. They also make a fantastic sports car tiny little uh, roadster in the Miata. Mm -hmm. Those are very different cars in very different classes, and they're both near the top of those classes. So if you find that kind of thing, that what I I can't stand is you have people across the street from you that have two white Subaru Outbacks. Two. Count them. White Subaru Outbacks. So bad that they probably confuse which key fob is which car. For all I know, the same key fob works both cars. I think they just grab whichever car starts. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Whichever one unlocks, we get into that one. Uh This is the other end. That's the worst part of the spectrum. So find a place. (laughs) Let's try to branch out on brands. And honestly, I'm of a mind where I might own another Porsche at some point, but I'd like it to happen when my wife doesn't have a Cayenne. Will that happen? I don't know. Sure. But try to get that different experience out of it. But there, there are exceptions for sure. Spirited Drive 11 asks me if I've come around on the design of the C8. Says the proportions seem so jarring I can't get past it. I, uh, I've i noted my change in acceptance of it because of mm. being around the car in person. Mm-hmm. The car has presence. Undeniably, it's got presence. And that is partly due to its size. It's bigger than most people think. But it's also the relationship between you and those surfaces mm-hmm. and the way they catch okay. light that photos just can't do. And that's why we always say photos don't do it justice. Yeah. Well, that is very much true because you'll see other things with your eyes you never ever saw in photographs and mm-hmm. you can appreciate that. And what's more is 
there's lines on the car that relate to other Corvettes of people's favorite Corvettes. And you see something in there that you like about a prior Corvette and you think, oh, that looks like the prior blank car. Mm -hmm. I like it because of that line. Now, I still think it's blocky in the rear. It's manifested itself in the function the car needs to do and the market it needs to meet, which is continually irritating to me. (laughs) It baffles you. I know it does. Yeah. But I have to admit that compromise does make it a very usable, great car. So I'm more accepting of the styling in that sense, rather than just saying it should just be lower and faster and, you know, you see the reasoning if you don't like it quite as functional and who cares? Let's just make some cool lines. Instead of making it very squared <laughs> off. I think it could wrap a little bit f- more in the rear. I, I like the width of a car, but I just don't like the, the tall block shape in the rear divided by, the, by graphics and lines. So I'm, uh, I'm back and forth on it. So mostly, but there still are things I want changed. Sean Patrick's asking on Facebook, what do you lose by going from a grand touring rear-wheel drive coupe to a rear-wheel drive sports sedan? What's there to be lost if they're similar in size? Mm-hmm. Sean, honestly, if you're actually talking about a Grand Tourer, which in my mind I think of as a 2 plus 2 with a long hood, mm-hmm. yeah. okay? If you went to a similarly sized, and I'm going to be more specific here, similarly heavy sports sedan, I don't think you'd notice much of a difference. The things that could skew this one way or the other is engine placement. If the engine's – let's go to Audi product. The engine's way far forward, sitting way over the front axle – you're going to lose some rotation versus the GT car that probably has the engine just behind the front axle or at least is trying to. So where's the engine placement? Sometimes in sedans, they move the engine farther forward and that changes the rotation. There's that. If you go from a car that weighs 3,500 pounds and you go buy a sedan that's 4,000 pounds, you're going to notice that difference. If you're in a similar weight class and you're rear-wheel drive and they haven't put the engine anywhere extreme from where you had before, I think you're going to find it almost a wash in dynamics. Granted, not every car is the same, but I think you're close enough there you can find it. Mm-hmm. Instagarrett 1001 says, if we could retrofit electric motors to any pre-2000 car to own ourselves, what would it be? Of course, I'm thinking about all the Porsches, you know, like a 912. Take Big all surprise. those unloved 912s, dump electric powertrains in them. Sure, yeah, yeah. People are doing this. This electric co- company in California is doing that already. Mm-hmm. I like what they're doing with Carmen Gia's. And they're going after the small, lightweight cars to retrofit with electric powertrains. To make them heavy. Wait, no, that's not right. <laughs> to make them heavy and change the dy- dynamics for which they were never intended. <laughs> Making them worse. Therefore. But they can be cool. I agree with you. Yes. I, I'm thinking about that kind of thing. And it, it really kind of revolves around more sports cars than anything else because I am with you. I hear what you're saying. I want the future electric car that's going to be fun to drive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The Tesla Roadster first gen, notwithstanding, that added a thousand pounds to a Lotus Elise and stretched the wheelbase. And it's not fun to steer. It's heavy. Yeah. It's terrible. Yeah, yeah. It seems like it'd be fun, but it's not that great. It's quick. It's very, very quick. I take that point. Yeah. Travels with George J asks, how many cars is too many cars? This uh, this varies by person. It also varies by budget. The The big thing that we say here is it comes down to Budget and space. If we all had a ton of budget and a ton of space, we'd all have a Jay Leno car collection. Totally. But I want to use Jay Leno as a reference point here. As I understand the story, now the guy has, I don't even know how many cars at this point and bikes and all this kind of stuff. As I understand the story, he has at least two, but maybe as many as four people that work for him keeping his cars maintained. I'm not talking about, by the way, people that shoot for his show. I'm talking about people that just maintain his cars. A steam car enthusiast. When he was doing The Tonight Show. He would leave the house in whatever car he was currently in, and he would call the guys at the garage 
on his way to work. And he would tell them uh, the McLaren F1 or the Ariel Atom or whatever car he was interested in driving next. And that was their kind of task for the day. And he would drive to Burbank and do the Tonight Show and be done at like six or seven at night. Mm-hmm. By the time he'd done his whole day of prep and recorded the show, he'd be done at six or seven at night. He would drive the car he was in to his warehouse storage space, the Burbank airport, Yeah, swap it for the car he had mentioned that morning and then drive that car home. Now, None of us have that situation. All of us would like it, but I'm, but I'm connecting it something here, George. I think as many cars as you will consistently drive, I think when you have so many cars, you just keep thinking, yeah, I haven't driven that one in like a year. It's that thing that you say about clothes. If you haven't worn it in a year, throw it out. But, but honestly, if you have cars, and I'm not, look, I'm not lumping in project cars here that don't run. I realize that's a different thing. But if you have cars in your life and you haven't driven them, they haven't had any miles. I'm gonna, look. I'm going to create a, a arbitrary standard. As many cars as you can put a thousand miles a year on. Each. Yes. Every car should have at least a thousand miles a year put on it. Okay. Because that means you at least actually drove it some. Fair. Back and forth to cars and coffee doesn't count. Yeah. Yeah. A thousand miles in a calendar year. Come on, that's ten hundred mile drives. You can't. You didn't drive the car that much, really. <laughs> okay. All right. Felipe Rodriguez says, "Why is it that some cars have only one reverse light and they're getting smaller and smaller? He really uses them as headlights when reversing in very dark areas." I hear you, but you are discovering the fights designers win. <laughs> Okay. All right. Yes, I hear you. We should have essentially stinger lights that come on when you're reversing and just light up the rear end. I get it. That's very helpful. I'm backing up with a stadium. Yes. It's sort of like the the camera phone. You know, the light comes on and lights up what you're doing, especially in the dark with rear mounted cameras, which are on every car. There should be kind of a spotlight. Your camera light. I see that for sure. Yeah, yeah. They're they're getting smaller because designers hate that kind of stuff. They don't want mm. the large, Good point. glaring, Good point. white, yeah, clear yeah. lights that just sit there and they're, they're not used very frequently. So mm-hmm. that stuff kind of gets shoved off the end of the table for designers. Like, can we, can we just make those small and obscure? And, How small can I make that? What is yeah. the regulation right now? What if we used LEDs? Yeah. Yeah, totally. But how about, you know, lights that come on around that camera and light up where you're going mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so you can actually see and kind of use it. So, yeah, I, I hear you. Cutler Colin 99 said he enjoyed the first extra podcast. That was the one about my novel, Paper Father. Thanks for listening. I'm glad you enjoyed that. He's asking the really pressing question, though. <laughs> when is the Watches Whiskey and Stallone podcast <laughs> where I force Paul to watch Stallone movies and we discuss it? Honestly, you already forced are, me to watch Tango cur- Cash. Yes, we are currently, we have built a list. Just so you know, we've built a list because we've decided <laughs> now that the days are short. There's going to be a lot more movie watching. The days are short and it's cold outside. So we're going to be watching some stuff over the coming months so that we can get through our Stallone list so we can have a what I expect to be riotously fun podcast about watches, whiskey, and Stallone movies. It's coming. Rick Dreyer has a question about our feature films. Thank you for asking, by the way. We've done feature films on all the 911s. We've done one on the BMW M3s. And we've done one on the Corvette, American Original, which actually I'm going to update with some C8 stuff here in the coming year. Because we've heard a lot of C8s. He's asking, because I like Lotus so much, why don't we do one on Lotus? Hmm. A couple of things here, Rick. First off, I would love to. I would love to. The problem is that that is super niche. The cars yeah. we've done so far, you'll notice, are kind of generally known. 
people that like cars are aware of that car and beyond enthusiasts. Yes. And also people that, that might not like that brand have enough respect for that car, like the 911, that they might still watch it out of curiosity or the Corvette or whatever. So the Lotus is, is quite niche and they haven't had a really good consistent lineup. They've had an interesting lineup, but not a very good consistent lineup. I would love to do it. My concern is these feature films take so much work, so much time, and so much cost. Can we do one on Lotus and it makes sense? Would the mm. audience be there? And is it worth the cost and time? I, as much as I love the brand, I don't know that it is. Mm. There's a question here from Bob McCormick that I really like. Bob has asked about the future of gasoline before. In a few days, this story came out and do we think other companies will follow suit? The story is this. Porsche, Siemens Energy, and a lineup of international companies are developing and implementing a pilot project in Chile that is expected to yield the world's first integrated commercial industrial scale plant for making synthetic climate neutral fuels. That is on the newsroom.porsche.com mm, site. Okay, all right. They're investing in synthetic fuels specifically to keep their older cars running. Mm, all right. But right. I think the hidden agenda behind this is the flat six engine. Okay. V8s okay. are awesome, but I don't think any other company has thought about the v- the flat six being so integral to their brand. Their DNA and their makeup, what they're known for. Exactly. Sure, I see that. What yeah, engine yeah, yeah. can you point. think of that that's is a, a very signature engine for that? Now, mm-hmm. the 2JZ mm-hmm. engine for Toyota, yeah, but that's not a signature sound for Toyota. They have such a long racing history mm-hmm. and have yeah, done so many good. things. That's a really good point. It's a part of their makeup, but it doesn't mm-hmm. define the company, whereas a flat six engine mm-hmm. defines Porsche. That, this is an interesting offshoot. I think you've hit on something. So I they think they have to defend that. You're they right. They have to defend the yeah. future of the yeah, flat that's six good. That's very because good. it can never go away ever. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That is, that is integral to their brand. You're right. It's not just all the old Porsches for the rest of time, which I mm. love because they're thinking about that. Yeah. It's the future of that engine. It has to keep going. That's a good thought. Well done. They haven't said that anywhere in the article, Yeah, but I guarantee you, that's what they're thinking about. Now, I love that car companies are doing the classic programs. Mercedes has the classic build center. Porsche does. You can actually throw them a lot of money and have them rebuild your car. <laughs> Whatever that is. Back to start. Yay. Which I think yeah. is fantastic. Yeah. And more and more companies, now that we've been doing cars for well over 100 years, going, yeah, we, yeah. we should preserve some of these cars. It's wor- They're worth preserving. And other car companies are doing the conversions for electric. Jaguar was doing the I-Pace drivetrain into mm-hmm. the e-type in a non-destructive way you could switch the gasoline motor back i think we're going to just start seeing more and more of that but Mm. i love that porsche is leading the way on synthetic fuels to preserve ownership and value for any car you buy now will still be worth something because you can pour this theoretically this is all theory all theory all the ground pilot program right now i get it but what other car company can you think of that is taking care of its past customers in an effort to gain their future dollars? Invest out here in us, and we're taking care of you with your old stuff back and, here. And defend, defend their, their iconic brand stuff. Their too. legacy. That's a very good point. That's excellent. Yes, Bob, I love the question. I think it's fantastic that they are. Interestingly, I also saw Microsoft is building another data center in Chile as well. They're building a a an Azure cloud program data center mm. in Chile. Is Chile the, the next 
infrastructure. I guess we're all going there. I don't know. Country. I, I found that very curious. A lot of uh, investment there. Guys, thank you so much for all your questions. I love the intriguing stuff that uh, makes us think and dig into stuff yeah. and learn more. And uh, we can all learn from it. So thank you for those questions. Keep your Topic Tuesdays coming. Keep your car debates coming. And also your car conclusions. Write to us at everydaydrivertv at gmail.com. You can find us there. And then on everydaydriver.com, you can find two YouTube channels our Amazon store and lots to come. We're looking forward to season eight. Some fun merchandise on Blipshift. Don't forget that there is yes. Christmas stuff going on. You can get all the stuff. Here. I, I'm so excited about that shirt for sure. Thank you guys. Looking forward to next time. Cheers, everyone.